This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Bottom of 644. So he started to discuss different levels of love. There's a great love, which is the love of ecstasy, which is a gift from Hashem. It's not something that's humanly achievable. It's a gift from Hashem. And it's only when a person reaches a level of perfection, then Hashem gives you a gift. Just like a person, a gift is not something that you earn. If you earn it, it's not a gift. It's not a bonus. If you earn it, it's not a bonus. But if you've performed very well and you've done to the maximum of your ability, then Hashem, then you get a bonus and Hashem gives you a gift. So when a person has to deserve, in a sense you have to deserve a gift. It's not you earn a gift. If you earn it, then it's not a gift way beyond what you earn but you still have to earn it you have to a bonus is given to someone who excels someone who pleases you pleases you so much that they give you a gift beyond what you earn so when a human being reaches the highest level that a human being can reach then Hashem gives a person a gift something that he has not earned something that's not humanly achievable when a person reaches the level, the highest level of awe, the fifth level of awe, where you become completely nullified, where you see the divine energy that's constantly creating us, and therefore we become completely nullified within our source, and you realize that divine energy is completely nullified within our source, within the divine source, and you become completely... Um, nullified before Hashem, then Hashem gives you a gift that you reach a level of ecstasy. And this is a level of love which is pure pleasure. And like pleasure, it comes because you become one, inseparable from Hashem. And that's not within the human capacity. To become inseparable with Hashem, to feel that your whole being is godly, that you're inseparable from Hashem, it's not within the human capacity. Because by definition, love means that there's an I that loves and is attracted to Hashem. So by definition, love involves some separation, some sense of ego, some separation. There's an I that's attracted to Hashem. But the level of ecstasy, the level of pure pleasure is, well, there is no I, there is no separation. And that's what gives you that ecstasy. You become one. You become intimate with Hashem. You become a half. You become inseparable from Hashem. 
it's not within the human capacity to become, to feel like we're a half and Hashem is our half. And we are absolutely inseparable from Hashem. This is a gift that Hashem gives a person. Hashem is interactive. It's like a marriage, like a relationship. A relationship is interactive. It's not a mechanical event. There's an attraction. And the attraction is mutual. And it's a two-way street. From the bottom up and from the top down. So th- there's, there's a dynamic, dynamic aspect to this relationship. Between the feminine and the masculine, between him and her. And there is an attraction, and there's a seduction, and there's an attraction, and there's... So it works both ways. If she's not interested, he's not interested. If she's interested, he's doubly interested. <laughs> it, it, that's the way it works. It's a two-way street. So when a person reaches the level of awe, which is, represents the feminine aspect, because awe is something that comes from your very being. It's because the essence of a Jew is godly. Therefore, we have the sense of awe of Hashem. It touches our very being. And that's the, in the marriage, the relationship between the Jew and God. God, the Jewish people, is the woman, the kala, the bride, and God is the groom. That's why God is always referred to in the Torah as He. Not because the Torah was written by men, but because it's a marriage. Torah is a marriage. God is the groom, and the Jewish people are the bride. So the bride um, reveals herself through the sense of awe, the sense of open and receptive to Hashem. There's an egolessness. There's a quality of receptiveness. And the more receptive we are, the more egoless we are, the more, so to speak, the groom becomes attracted to us. There's a very powerful attraction. The more egotistical we are, the groom runs away. (laughs) We're not interested, he's not interested. The more interested we are, the more open we are, the more egoless we are, the more we're in touch with our being, then it's a powerful attraction. Then we attract Hashem, so to speak, and the groom, and Hashem reveals to us, gives us this gift, gives us this, this divine quality, this gift of love, of ecstasy. Hashem reveals Himself in our soul, and we feel an ecstasy, a pure pleasure. And we become one with Hashem, inseparable from Hashem. Indescri- an indescribable pleasure. Where godliness actually becomes something that's so pleasurable. It becomes indescribable. It's like the famous story of Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Barditchev. The night of Sukkot. He couldn't sleep all night. He couldn't wait till the morning when finally he'll have the opportunity to make the blessing over the Lulav and the Esra. All year he's been waiting for this moment. So as soon as it's a light outside, he reaches to the Esrug. But he, he was so excited about the mitzvah that he failed to notice that there was a glass door covering the Esrug. So it was glass. He didn't notice. He just saw the Esrug. He 
put his hand through the glass, smash the glass, cut his hand. But he was so excited about the esrik, he didn't even notice that his hand was bleeding. And he took the esrik. Could you imagine such excitement to do a mitzvah? I mean, this is something we can't even relate to it. A person should have such a love for anything godly, such a love for anything divine, that he physically was oblivious to his pain, oblivious to the glass, oblivious to his cut hand. His hand was bleeding. It's only till his gabai, his beetle, came in and saw the rabbi standing there bleeding, holding an asterisk. He was totally oblivious. Didn't even, didn't even notice. Could you imagine such a level of love? A love for godliness that permeates your whole being. That you have such ecstasy, such pleasure. And the level of pleasure is when Hashem gives the Jew the gift that he actually becomes one with Hashem. Becomes inseparable. Your whole being is permeated with godliness. That becomes your ecstasy. That becomes your pleasure. So much so, it transforms your whole being. Sublimates your whole personality. It sub- totally sublimates your ego. You become completely transformed. There isn't a single corner within you that's not affected by godliness. There isn't a pocket. There isn't a trace of ego left to you. Not 99.9%. There isn't even one single trace. Your whole being has become t- totally sublimated and transformed. Every fiber of your being, every bone in your body is an ecstasy of, of godliness. When a person reaches such a level, reaches the highest level of the soul, the fifth level of the soul, which we call the Yechida, which is pure pleasure in Hashem. This is a divine gift. This is a spark of Hashem. It's not within the human capacity to achieve. This is the level of the world of emanation, where there's no separation. There's no creation. It's beyond creation. It's we are, where we become married to Hashem, inseparable from Hashem, a half, nothing without Hashem. Our whole being becomes God. And when you f- realize that, that there is no ego, and all there is is Hashem, and you are only half, it gives you so much pleasure and ecstasy that anything godly gives you so much pleasure and ecstasy. Learning Torah, doing a mitzvah, being selfless, being kind, doing an act of, being, doing a favor, doing an act of kindness, plugging into the Jewish whole, sensing the Jewish whole, cloud Yisrael, that becomes your whole being. Obviously, this is a level which no human being can achieve on his own. It's a gift from Hashem. So that's one level. But then there is a level which is called avas oilam. A, a love that comes from oilam. Here we interpret oilam, not oilam as in eternal, but oilam as in world. A love that comes from the world. Through your intellect, through meditating and reflecting on the realities of the world by reflecting how Hashem fills all the worlds. How Hashem is the dynamic energy in the soul and the life force that creates and sustains all of the worlds. And how Hashem completely transcends all of the worlds. And how all of the worlds, including the life force that actually the divine life force that creates and animates the world is completely insignificant to Hashem. 
the fact that Hashem creates the world in relation to Hashem is completely insignificant. This is not what Hashem does. It's not what occupies Hashem. It's not. It's within Hashem. It's absolutely meaningless, insignificant. The fact that He's a creator. The fact that He has the ability to create the world. It's like within us, our ability to speak. Our ability to say a word. How important is that in relation to us? That ability to speak, does that capture who we are? Does that, is that the essence, the sum total of who we are? We have the ability to speak. That ability to speak is a completely insignificant in relationship to us, the speaker. So even within Hashem, that ability to create and to sustain and to animate the world and the fact that Hashem even transcends all the world, the whole thing is insignificant to Hashem. Like you can hardly find it within Himself. It means nothing. So when you realize all of this and you meditate and reflect on this truth, how Hashem fills all the world. Hashem is the soul of the world. And Hashem transcends the whole frame of reference of the world. Concepts, ideas, Hashem completely transcends. And then how all of the world are completely insignificant in relation to Hashem. Not only the world, but even the source of the world, even the divine energy that creates the world. Even the level of Hashem that's transcendent from all the world, from the whole frame of reference of the world, even that is completely insignificant in relationship to Hashem Himself. When you realize all of that, then your love is directed towards one, and that's Hashem. All you want is Hashem. All you desire is Hashem. Because everything else is completely insignificant. It's not worthy of my attention. Why am I paying attention to anything material? Even anything spiritual. Why am I paying attention to spirituality, religion, philosophy, meditation, music, art? That It doesn't deserve my attention. There's only one thing that deserves my attention. And that is Hashem Himself. Give me something divine. Give me something God. The only thing that deserves my attention is a mitzvah. Studying Torah. Praying to Hashem. Doing an act of tzedakah, of kindness, of goodness and kindness. That's the only thing that's worthy of my attention. Why would I waste any time and any energy? Anything that's not related to the divine, to the Torah and mitzvah, which is Hashem, I have no interest. Once you realize how Hashem fills all the world, Hashem is the soul of the world. And you realize that Hashem transcends our whole frame of reference. And you realize that in relation to Hashem, the whole world is insignificant. And even the divine creative energy is also insignificant in relation to Hashem Himself. So all you want is Hashem Himself. I don't want anything else. I'm not interested in anything else. I want to connect with Hashem Himself. That's the only thing that's real. How do I connect with Hashem Himself? There's only one way. Not through religion, not through philosophy, and not through meditation, and not through spirituality, and not through music, and not through art, and not through anything. There's only one way I can relate with the essence of Hashem. How is that? Through Torah and mitzvah. And then, the Torah and the mitzvah that you do is done with passion, with love, with excitement. Mitzvah, technical, mechanical, 
a mitzvah is divine. What do you mean mechanical, technical? You know what a mitzvah is? A mitzvah, by doing a mitzvah, I'm touching the divine. Studying Torah, mechanical, by rote, half asleep. You know what Torah is? Torah is, I'm being intimate with Hashem. I'm praying, I'm talking to Hashem. Torah, Hashem is talking to me. Doing a favor, I'm emulating Hashem, I'm connecting Hashem. Hashem acts kindly to us, and we in turn act kindly to others. I'm doing something godly. So let's learn inside, on the bottom of page 644. Abad Olam, however, the second and lower level of love is that which comes from the understanding and knowledge of the greatness of Hashem, the blessed Ein Sof, who fills all worlds, animating them with a permeating mode of vitality, which is limited and tailored to the capacity of each creature and encompasses all worlds, animating them with a vitality which transcends them, not being limited by the worlds and created beings it animates, and before whom everything is accounted as nothing at all, like the nullity of one utterance within the intelligent soul, while it is still in its thought or in the desire of the heart, has been explained earlier. As a result of such contemplation, the attributes of love which is in the soul will as a matter of course divest itself of its garments which it had previously worn. This means to say that the individual will cease loving those things he had previously loved this love having previously led him to vest himself in those things, and all his love will be directed to Hashem alone. It will not clothe itself in anything of pleasure or enjoyment, whether physical or spiritual, to love it, and will not desire anything whatever in the world other than Hashem alone, the source of the vitality of all enjoyments. For they are all nullified in reality and are accounted as nothing at all, Compared with him, there being no manner of comparison or similitude between them, God forbid, between all worldly pleasures and Hashem, the source of the vitality of all pleasures. Just as there is no comparison between that which is absolutely naught and nothing and everlasting life. Reflecting on this matter will lead the person to desire Hashem alone and not to desire any worldly pleasures at all, seeking as he will the source of all pleasures, which is godliness. As it is written, Whom have I in heaven to love other than Hashem? The verse goes on to say, And there is nothing upon earth that I desire with you. This means to say that anything with you that is subjugated and nullified to Hashem is not desired as well. The next verse continues, My flesh and my heart yearn for you, rock of my heart, as the various levels of love a Jew may attain by contemplating Hashem's greatness will be explained later. The Alter Rebbe was once overheard saying this verse, Mi Vashamayim, Who do I have in heaven? And there's nothing on earth that I desire with you. And he would say the following. Because I will not 
by Ganeiden Elyon. I don't want your higher level of Ganeiden, of the Garden of Eden. I don't want your lower level of Ganeiden, of the Garden of Eden. I only want and desire you yourself. So don't entice me with spiritual reward, the world to come, the Garden of Eden, the soul in heaven, the lower level of Ganeiden, the higher level of Ganeiden. All of this doesn't interest me. All that interests me. What do I desire? What do I yearn for? What do I desire? You yourself. You Hashem yourself. Only Hashem himself. Everything else is imcha, is with you. It's external, it's superficial. It comes from Hashem. Hashem creates the world. Hashem sustains the world. Hashem transcends the world. But all of that is nothing to Hashem. It's insignificant. I want Hashem Himself. Don't give me anything else. It's like the Medrash says, that the Jewish people are wise. And he gives an analogy that the king came with ministers. And most people chose the ministers. They, wanna, they wanted to sidle up with the minister, become associated with the minister. Because when you have a relation with the minister, you have some influence with the minister. You're something in relation to the minister. You can feel important. You're close to the king's minister. There was one wise man who ignored the ministers. I'm not interested in the ministers. I want the king. The king goes quietly. The king is walking. He says, I want the king. Even though knowing that if you're with the king, you're nothing in comparison to the king. You won't be anybody. You're completely nullified. But I want the king. What are the ministers? The ministers are just the projection of the king, the king's majesty, the king's greatness. So true, I, if I choose the king, I'll be completely nothing in relation to the king. If I choose the ministers, I can have some real, in relation to the ministers, I am something, I am a somebody. And I have some pull, and I have some influence. But the wise person says, I don't want to choose the ministers, I want the king himself. That's the difference between the Jewish people and the nations of the world. They chose the ministers. They want to have a relation to this angel, to that angel, and they're, and they're looking for spirituality, and they're looking for the world to come, and they're looking for God Maiden, and they're looking for this and for that, and for the stars, and this, this energy, and this force of the universe. But the king goes quietly. And the Jew has the wisdom. He says, I want the king. I don't want to do with any ministers. I don't want to deal with anything. To me, the angels don't exist, and the world to come doesn't exist. All that matters to me Hashem himself. How do you have Hashem himself? When I do a mitzvah, I'm touching Hashem himself. This is beyond the world to come, beyond Gan Eden, beyond the higher level of Gan Eden, the low level of the Garden of Eden. It's Hashem himself. I'm studying Torah. I'm one with Hashem himself. I don't need anything else. I'm not interested in anything else. Don't give me reward and don't give me spirituality and don't give me meditation. This is all external, incidental, superficial, missing the whole point. I want Hashem himself. Don't give me your garden of Eden and don't give me your higher garden and your lower garden. All I want is you yourself. And when you have such a love for Hashem, when you're focused and your, your whole love is towards Hashem, not towards anything else, then you, you only, all you care about and all you want and you can't get enough of anything divine. Studying a page of Talmud, 
studying a Mishnah, studying a piece of Chumash, studying anything connecting with Hashem Himself, doing a mitzvah, a physical mitzvah, doing an act of tzedakah. This is what connects me with the essence of Hashem. And that's all I'm interested in. They can't bribe me. Don't bribe me with spirituality and with these all. This doesn't mean anything. Let alone physical, material things. Money, power, fame, externals. Who cares? When I have Hashem Himself, these are all superficial things. It, it can't hold my interest. Your love is totally directs you and removes all the outer garments and it directs you towards Hashem Himself. It's like the beautiful parable of Hashem that gave. The king said that anyone can come see me. And he sat in his throne. He's ready to receive anyone. But he didn't make it so easy. <laughs> he created an optical illusion that there's a whole river, unpassable river to get to the king. So they saw the king, but they can't reach him. So most people gave up, went home. And there was one person who went. The king says, see me, and I can see him. There's no, no obstacle, there's nothing in the way. And he just walked into the water. The king wouldn't ask me to come see him if it was impossible. Does it make sense? The king would ask me to do something that's impossible, it's ridiculous. I want to see the king. So he goes into the water. And of course, there is no water, it was all an optical illusion. <laughs> and he, of course, he meets the king, and he looks from the king's perspective, he sees there's nothing. There's no water. There's nothing. All there is is the king. But it took wisdom and it took strength to be able to realize it. That's a Jew. A Jew realizes there is no universe. There is nothing. All there is is Hashem. The whole universe dissolves. From Hashem's perspective, the whole universe dissolves. All there is is Hashem. There is nothing else. What is the universe? It's all Hashem. There is nothing else. So I have the king. I don't care about this projection and the majesty and the infinite and the finite and the higher level and lower level and spiritual material. What are, these are all projections. But give me Hashem Himself. So when I'm, interested, I'm standing with the king and I'm together with the king, nothing else, everything else can't hold my attention. What are you going to bribe me with spirituality, with, with the world to come? What do I care about the world to come? I have Hashem Himself. How? Oh, there's only one way. Torah mitzvah. Living a Jewish life. It's not religion. It's not meditation. It's leading a Jewish life. Every time you do a mitzvah, it's divine. Every time you study Torah, you're intimate with the divine. Every time you do an act of tzedakah, an act of kindness, of goodness and kindness, you're touching the divine. Every time you're praying, you're talking to the That's, And you can't get enough of it. This is a love, havat olam, a love that comes from the world, from reflecting and meditating on the world. And we left off last week with a question that seemed like a contradiction, because earlier we learned that the fifth level of awe, the highest level of awe, is a level which says if there's no awe, there's no wisdom, that's the lower level of awe, and then if there's no wisdom, there's no awe, when you do have wisdom and you have Torah and mitzvot, which is based on, on the awe of Hashem, 
that leads you to the highest level of all, which is who is a wise man who sees how Hashem creates the world. And you see that the world is completely nullified within Hashem. And even the divine energy, the creative energy, the divine speech that's constantly creating the world is completely nullified within the source, within Hashem Himself. And therefore the world is nothing. All there is is Hashem. And that leads you to the highest level of awe where you're not even like a body in relation to Hashem. You're not even a non-egotistical entity. You're not a, there is no entity. All there is is Hashem. There is no body and soul. There's no duality. All there is is Hashem. So there he said that by seeing that there's no other reality but Hashem, how the whole world is insignificant in relationship to Hashem, how even the divine creative energy is insignificant in relation to Hashem, you become completely nullified. Yet here we're saying that when you meditate and reflect how the world is insignificant, how the source that creates the world is insignificant in relationship to Hashem, it leads you to a lower level of love. Avat olam. A love that's taken from the world. Not like avar abba, the greater love. The love where you become, the love of ecstasy. Where you become completely inseparable with Hashem. That's a gift. That's not something we can achieve. But this level of love is a love that comes through reflection. And when you reflect on it, it doesn't nullify your existence. But it inflames your heart. Your heart becomes inflamed with a love and a passion and a yearning for anything divine, for anything God. And then the Torah and mitzvot that you do become animated. It leads you to do Torah and mitzvot. The greater level of love is almost like a gift. It's like a present. It's a reward. It's almost like an end in itself. Like the moment of intimacy where husband and wife celebrate each other and that's the end. Just being together. That gives them infinite pleasure. So that's a level of love where you just luxuriate and you're in ecstasy because you're one with Hashem. That's like a reward in itself. It's an end in itself. That's a gift. That's only Hashem gives us. If a person reaches a level of perfection, then the utmost perfection, then Hashem gives us a gift. But this love, the love of the world, Avat Olam, a love that's taken from your meditation and reflection and the world around you and yourself, in reality, how Hashem fills all the worlds, Hashem transcends all the worlds, and how all the worlds are nothing and significant to Hashem, it motivates you to do Torah and to do mitzvot. This is the love that, that, that propels you. This is the love that pushes you to focus on the divine. Not to focus on anything external, whether it's material or spiritual, and to focus on the divine. And that motivates you to study Torah and do mitzvot. But he said the nature of this reflection is that I'm reflecting how the world is insignificant in relation to Hashem. Well, didn't we say earlier that once you realize how the world is insignificant in relation to Hashem, it leads to ultimate self-nullification, where there is no ego. There is, not only there is no ego, not only you become a, a, a non-egotistical entity, but you become a non-entity. All there is is Hashem. And yet here he's saying that, you, that this leads you to a love. A love, by definition, means that there is a separate entity. And yet you are love. You are in love. You fall in love and you're attracted to Hashem. Powerful love, a powerful attraction. But you're not nullified. You can't say that nothing exists but Hashem. What do you mean? I'm, I'm in love. There is an entity that's loves, that loves and is attracted to the divine, to the God, to, to something godly. And the answer is 
that if you notice carefully earlier he said that who is a when he talks about the level of awe he says who is a wise man he who sees sees Ezeo Chacham Haroyas Andela page 640 who is a wise man he who sees which is born and created Versus he, here, he's talking about someone who understands, who meditates and reflects. It's two different, two different approaches. Meditating and reflecting is using your mind, your logical mind. So you, lose, you use your logical mind and you meditate and reflect very deeply on the fact that Hashem creates the worlds and Hashem sustains the worlds and Hashem fills all the worlds, Hashem is the soul of the world. And the world is like a body to Hashem. And then, then how Hashem is like the subconscious relation to our consciousness. Hashem completely transcends the world. And that's the source of the world. And then even that limited because ultimately Hashem is the relation to the essence of Hashem. The whole world is completely insignificant. As if it doesn't exist. The world isn't even a non-entity in relationship to Hashem. Even the source of the world, the very divine energy, Hashem's speech, and divine energy that's creating the world is a complete non-entity within Hashem. All there is is Hashem. So it's one thing if you understand this concept. It's another thing if you see this concept. It's like a difference between the two brains, the two minds. The creative mind and the analytical mind. Some people see things, some people hear things. You'll notice how people speak. People who have analytical minds, who are left, their left brain is, is more dominant, will always say, I hear what you say. People who are right, their right brain dominates, will say, I see what you say. Their predominant brain is the right brain, the creative mind. They see things. Seeing and hearing are two different, two different worlds. Hearing is more logical, is more distant, is more abstract, is more egotistical. You stand and you understand and you listen. It's like when you listen to someone, I listen, I hear you. It's a different way of, of processing reality. It's a different way of experiencing reality. Versus seeing. When you see, you become completely absorbed. You completely lose your ego. You become completely absorbed. It's not about you. You see the thing itself. That's why you, when you see something, you can see in one split second, you see the whole picture. When you hear, you can't hear in one split second. You have to hear every word, one word at a time. Your ear could only hear one word at a time. <laughs> if everyone spoke in one split second, it would be nonsense. You have to, and if you miss one word, you miss the whole train of thought. You're thrown off. You don't get the connection. It's linear. Hearing is linear. Seeing is all-encompassing. One split second, I can see the whole, the whole picture. And when you see something, you see the seven wonders of the world, you totally you forget about it. You're just totally absorbed within the scenery. You see the thing itself. That's why when you see something, it's so, you're so certain of it. Because it's not about me. I see the object itself. It's certainty. When I hear something and someone challenges me, you start wondering, did I hear correctly? Maybe I didn't hear correctly. But if you see something, if you see that the sun is sh shining, and Einstein, or 20 Einsteins, 
were standing next to you proving to you that it's impossible that the sun to be shining. Would you doubt for one second that the sun is shining? No, because I see it. <laughs> I, I, I see what I see. Obviously, Einstein, with all his brilliance, is 100% wrong. But if you hear something, and then Einstein challenges you with irrefutable logic, you start wondering to yourself, you know, maybe, maybe I, I heard wrong, I'm not sure. The certainty of seeing. So seeing is experiencing, it's a different experience. When you see something, when you hear something. So earlier, when he talked about the level of awe, the highest level of awe, we become completely nullified, completely egoless, not only egoless, but you become completely, we realize there's no other entity besides Hashem. You're not even an egoless entity. You're nothing. All there is is Hashem. He talks about the level of seeing. Ezeo Chacham, who is a wise man who sees how Hashem creates all the world. When you see how Hashem creates all the world, you become completely nullified. The creative person has that ability to completely lose his ego. And that's why he's open. And that's why he's able to receive the creative flash, that brilliant flash, that eureka, because he has a window to the soul, because he has a certain egolessness. Versus the analytical and logical mind is very much in control. I understand and I comprehend. It's very much, the I is very prominent. I understand and I comprehend and it makes sense to me. So even though the content and the, the nature of my reflection is that there is no other reality but God, how the world is completely nullified within God, how even the divine creative energy and source that's creating the world is completely nullified within God, but it's all a logical understanding. I am understanding it with my human logic and my human mind. So therefore, even though the very nature, the content of what I'm comprehending is how there's no other reality but God, how the world is not even an entity in relationship to God, but since I'm only comprehending it and understanding it, it cannot have that effect on me where I become completely nullified before God. Because my mind is limited. So as much as I understand, at most, maximum, it can evoke within me a passionate love for Hashem, a yearning for Hashem, a focus, a a direct focus on the divine the exclusion of everything else I lose interest in anything but the divine but to say that I become I reach a level where I'm a non-entity where I'm completely egoless where I'm completely nullified before Hashem you can't say that because you, 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 your whole approach is through logic logic by its very definition already says that there's a separation between you and Hashem and it's me that's understanding Hashem, understanding something that's outside of me. So by, by definition, I'm already separate. But my whole being becomes permeated with a love for Hashem. Fine. But I'm a separate entity that has a powerful love and attraction to Hashem. Also, there's a difference between love and awe. Love, by definition, means... Self. I love. I am attracted. Love is a characteristic of self. It defines you. What are you all about? What do you love? What are you attracted to? What do you care about? So I'm defining myself. So you can't jump over yourself. You can't become completely nullified. It's very definition. Love means that there is a self. 
So even though I love Hashem because I've, I realize and I understand that there's no other reality but God, but by its very definition, there's an I that loves Hashem. So I cannot become completely nullified. There is an entity that loves Hashem, that's attracted to Hashem, that's drawn toward, towards the divine, towards anything godly. Unless it's the highest level of love, Ava Rabba, which is a gift from Hashem. It's a gift that Hashem gives a person. When Hashem reveals, the Pintaliyid reveals the fifth level of the soul, reveals the divine spark within us, and then we become inseparable, and then we just feel, experience his ecstasy. And that becomes an end in itself, just be feeling so uh, intimate with Hashem. But that's a gift from Hashem. But otherwise, that's the love of pleasure, love of ecstasy. But otherwise, love by definition means that there's a separation. Versus the nature of awe, fear and awe is actually the, the losing of your, of your ego. The absence of ego. It's not about me. Love is self-expression. Or is self-negation, by definition. Even the lowest level of fear of awe, the yoke of heaven is about self-negation. It's about giving up my ego. It's not about me. It's about the other person. When, you, you, when you're in fear, you sense the other person. It's not you. Love is self-expression. Fear, awe is the exact opposite. It's self-negation. You lose your ego. You lose your sense of self. So therefore, when you have a level of awe, then you can reach a level where you become completely nullified before Hashem. Not only there is no ego, there's no sense of ego, there's no sense of separation, there's no sense of an entity. You become completely nullified before Hashem. Versus when you love, by its very definition, there is its self-expression. Love is self-expression. So there is a self. So you can't become completely nullified before Hashem. So therefore, even though the love is based on your understanding how there's no other reality but Hashem, but experientially you can't reach that level. Experientially, the most you can reach is a level of love. I'm attracted. I'm pulled. I yearn. But there is always that. You always retain that self. A very refined self. A self that's close to Hashem. But still, there's a self that's separate from Hashem. Okay, so now, now he says that even even a person, a person who does not experience any love in his life, not only doesn't experience any godly love, divine love, he doesn't experience any love in his life, Perhaps by nature, he's just a very cold person. Doesn't get excited about anything. Even things he should get excited about. Doesn't get excited about spiritual things. Doesn't get excited about material things. Doesn't get excited. He's not an excitable person. Thinks to himself, maybe I just don't have the capacity to love. To be passionate. To be thrilled. To be excited about godliness. How can I be thrilled and excited about godliness if I'm not thrilled about anything? I don't get excited about anything. I don't get passionate about anything. I don't get worked up about anything. It's a very cold person. How could that person achieve a level of love? And here he says that the truth is every Jew can reach a level where you can develop 
a passionate love for Hashem. As he's going to explain later. Because the truth is that we don't have to create this love. Deep down, every Jew has this love for Hashem. The soul is on fire. The soul is passionate. The soul is thrilled. The soul is excited. Whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not, it doesn't change the reality. There's a lot more going on inside of us than we know. Thank God. So the soul is on fire, even if you don't feel that fire. So it's there. All you have to do, really, is just to reveal. So therefore, meditation and contemplation is really effective, is enough to really evoke, just to bring out to the surface, bring out to the consciousness, this level of love. All the above refers to a person who has a love for worldly matters and divests himself of this love because of his contemplation of Hashem's greatness. His love will then be felt for Hashem rather than for mundane things. However, he who by nature is cold and removed from any feelings of love, whether to Hashem or otherwise, cannot simply transfer his love. It is much more difficult for such a person to awaken a feeling of love for Hashem. Nevertheless, the Alter Rebbe goes on to say, even he can arouse within himself a fiery love for Hashem through the above-mentioned contemplation. Also, he whose soul's attribute of love is not vested at all in any physical or spiritual enjoyment is able to kindle his soul as with burning coals and an intense fire in the flame that soars heavenward by contemplating the above-mentioned matters as shall be explained later on. So he says everyone has this capacity. This is the lower level of love. Okay, and now he's going to explain that although Although the natural order, he said earlier that it's impossible to reach Avarabha, the greater level of love, unless you previously achieve Yira, the higher level of all. It's only when a person reaches perfection, the most that's humanly possible, when you reach the higher level of all, then Hashem will give you a gift, a reward that he'll bestow, you, bestow upon you a level of pleasure, a level of ecstasy, a love of ecstasy. Now, the ordinary way of things is that the same is true with a lower level of love. You can't achieve a lower level of love unless you previously achieve a lower level of, of awe, a fear of awe of Hashem. Whether it's the lowest level Kabbalah's Earl, Mahoshramayim, accepting upon yourself the yoke of heaven, dedicating yourself to Hashem, devoting yourself to Hashem, giving yourself over to Hashem. Whether it's the higher level, which is Yerei Chet, feeling, sensing, there's an eye that sees and ear that hears, sensing Hashem's presence. Whether it's the lower level of the lower level of Yira Salakim, where you sense Hashem's greatness. You see how the whole world is nullified before Hashem. And therefore, when you're in the presence of greatness, it has a certain effect on you, a superficial effect, but it has a certain effect on you. It inhibits you a little, and it gives you a certain sense for godliness, a certain inspiration. When you're in the presence of greatness, that taste will linger with you the rest of your life. You know, you, you were in the presence of greatness. A person who was in the presence of greatness will remember it for the rest of his life. 
in a certain sense, you won't be the same person, even though it has an external effect on you, because none of that greatness really rubs off on you. Just because you're in the presence of greatness, you're in the presence of Einstein, it won't make you one iota smarter. <laughs> in the presence of genius, uh, of a brilliant artist, won't make you more artistic than you are. You know, it doesn't have that effect on you. But still, when you're in the presence of greatness, for the rest of your life, you'll be talking about it. It'll have an impression on you. It'll leave an impression on you. So when you realize the greatness of Hashem, you realize how the whole world is constantly bowing down before Hashem and nullifying itself before Hashem. <clears throat> And they're all worshipping Hashem. When you realize how the heavens and the stars and the, the movement of the stars, and the whole universe is bowing down before Hashem and worshipping Hashem and connecting with Hashem, it has an effect on you. A very superficial effect, but it has some effect. It has some uplifting effect on you. And that leads you to want to do Torah and want to do mitzvah. Then you have the higher level of within the lower level of Yirat Elohim. When you actually sense that Hashem is your soul. Hashem is the soul of the world. Hashem animates and creates every aspect of this world, every aspect of this universe, this infinitely and complex universe. Hashem animates and sustains, and Hashem is the soul of the world. And then you realize Hashem is my soul as well. So I become like a body to Hashem. I become egoless, just like the body. It becomes completely attached and connected with Hashem. I lose all my... I lose all my um, and inhibits, not only inhibits my urges and instincts and desires, unhealthy, unwholesome urges, instincts, and desires, I lose them. I don't have any more unhealthy urges, instincts, and desires. If I become one with Hashem, I become egoless. I don't even desire anything other than Hashem. I become like a body in relation to my soul, become completely egoless and one with Hashem. That's, that's the higher level of the lower level of Yirat Elohim. So any of these levels which is the foundation and the cornerstone. Without that, a Jew can't approach Hashem. And that has to be the cornerstone and the foundation for Torah and Mitzvah, as we learned earlier. Then, that leads you to develop a love for Hashem. Because a person needs two wings. You can't just have awe. A person needs love. But then you develop a love for Hashem, based on what we just learned here. If you realize Hashem is my soul, and Hashem is my life, and Hashem fills all the worlds, and Hashem transcends all the worlds, and then Hashem, the all of the world is completely insignificant to Hashem, you, your heart is inflamed with a fiery love, and a passionate love and yearning to connect with Hashem. So the love, and the, then you have the love, the Torah and mitzvah that you do is based on, or as well as love. That's the normal sequence of things. Then you do the Torah and the mitzvah, filled with awe and love, with the two wings, you have Torah, Mitzvah, Tzor, and that leads you to the higher level of, the highest level of awe, the fifth level, where you become completely a non-entity in relation to Hashem. You sense that there's no other reality but Hashem. And then, if you merit, you can reach the tzaddik, the highest level of the tzaddik, you can reach the level of pleasure, the great level of love. So one leads to the other. He says that's the ordinary way of things. But sometimes things happen out of order. Our world is not so orderly. So sometimes when we act out of order, Hashem also acts out of order. Sometimes a person could experience a love of Hashem even though you have no fear of Hashem. You have no sense of awe of Hashem. On the contrary, you live an uninhibited life you have no restraints. You indulge in every urge and every instinct. You've lost your way. 
But because Hashem loves us, when Hashem sees that we're about to fall off the cliff, we're so far gone, we become so disconnected, we're about to harm ourselves irreparably, disconnect ourselves, literally fall off the cliff. Hashem, out of His kindness, His mercy, because we are Him, a piece of Him. So Hashem will suddenly, out of nowhere, out of the blue, you'll feel this love for Hashem. Grace, Hashem will just give us this gift and just your heart will suddenly feel in flames with a, a love and a yearning for something God. You're unprepared. You're not ready. You're not worthy. You were, up until that moment, you were completely not interested. But sometimes when Hashem sees, like a shepherd, when a shepherd sees that one sheep is straying and is about to be eaten by the wolves, he has to abandon all of his sheep and has to take care of this one little sheep who lost its way, lost its path, and is about to self-destruct. Hashem can't see that and can't let that happen. So when the soul is about to fall in the depth of depravity, the depth of kalipa, the depth of impurity, the depth of immorality, when a person is about lost his way, when a person is about to make that mistake, they reached a fork in the road and they're about to make the wrong decision, <laughs> they're making a left turn instead of a right turn, and they can harm their lives irreparably forever and ever, harm their soul and do so much damage, reach a point where the soul can't even handle it anymore. When the person is out of control, maybe the person is so addicted, just out of control, Hashem has Rachmanus. And out of mercy, Hashem will give the soul, the soul will experience a love that will schlep the soul out of the mud, out of the darkness, out of the dungeon. Schlep him up, lift up the soul, let them see some light, a relief, relieve the soul of their agony. And let them experience, let them taste something godly. And put the soul back on the right path, on the right road. So it's possible. It's possible that a person should reach a level of love even though he doesn't have any awe in his life. He has no inhibitions, no restraints. He has not delivered or dedicated his life to Hashem. He has no yoke does as he pleases, lives as he pleases, thinks as he pleases, speaks as he pleases, acts as he pleases. Absolutely no restraints. Hashem's wish, desires mean absolutely nothing. Hashem doesn't want, does want, who cares? I live, I do whatever I want. It's a free country. You have rights. You can live as you please. Speak as you please. Think as you please. Do as you please. It's in the Constitution. <laughs> and... Nevertheless, even that person could reach a level of love for Hashem without any preparation. Even though he's not ready, he doesn't have any awe in his life. He has no fear, no awe. Nevertheless, totally egotistical, you could reach a level of love for Hashem. But this is not the ordinary way of things. This is, the ordinary way of things is, first you have to have Torah, mitzvah. First you have to have awe. 
That's the foundation. That's the underpinning. Cornerstone. Based on that, you have Torah and mitzvot. And then you have love for Hashem. So you have to have the Torah and the love. But just to have love for Hashem, even though I'm not committed and I'm not dedicated and I'm not, I have no sense of awe and no connection, no sense of egolessness, that's, that's not the ordinary way of things. But occasionally, it can happen. You can have a love of Hashem even without any sense of awe. And that's, although that's the ordinary way of things, as it says, sur First, you have to avoid evil, and then you have to do good. Like a, a pot that's dirty. First, you've got to clean the dirt, and then you can cook something good in it. Imagine you're cooking the dirt before you, you're cooking something delicious before you clean the pot. When the king comes to the palace, first comes to visit the house, first you have to clean the house to make sure it's clean. Then you can furnish, you can decorate. Imagine you're going to decorate before you clean the house. So that's a normal way of things. First you have to get rid of the negative. Sur meira. You have to have a Kabbalah you have to have the yoke of heaven, you have to have the sense of Hashem, you have to have a... Then you can do good, decorate, develop a love for Hashem, a relationship to Hashem. That's the ordinary way of things. But since we don't live in the normal world, and our lives are not ordinary, and the times we live in are not ordinary, so sometimes you have to take a different approach. You start with the good. And when you start with the good, the nature of good is where there's light, there's no room for darkness. You can't have light and darkness in the same place. So once you illuminate with the divine light, the darkness just melts away. By increasing in light, the darkness just goes away. And that's the Hasidic approach. It's a much more holistic approach than the pathological approach. Instead of starting out with the illness and dealing with the illness, and first healing the illness, and then thinking about strengthening your health. No, you start with health. Strengthen the healthy parts in the person. Even the person who's dying, who's diagnosed with, with terminal illness, with the holistic approach, even when the pathological approach has given, thrown up its arms and given up hope, you can still heal even that person. If you start with the other approach. Even when a person is dying, there isn't a single organ in the body that's healthy. Person is, they've, they've given up hope in this person. And yet, the person can come back from the dead, and many have, with a more holistic approach. You strengthen the healthy parts of the person. You touch a very deep place inside the person. That healthy parts. And slowly but surely, you strengthen the healthy parts until there's no room. When your body is healthy, and there's a healthy environment, and you're eating healthy, and you're living healthy, there's no room for the illness to, to be. That's it. The illness just is gone, finished. There's no room for it. It can't flourish in such an environment where there's so much light, and there's so much health, and there's so much wholesomeness. There's simply no room for it to flourish. So this is a different approach. It's not the ordinary approach. 
But when you're dealing with such darkness, when you're dealing with such a challenge, when a person is not responding to normal stimulation, a person doesn't respond. When the world has become so coarse and so egotistical, and society celebrates arrogance, and the more arrogant, the better. So you can't even begin to talk about the yoke of heaven, fear of God, check my ego. What do you mean check my ego? The more egotistical I am, the more vulgar I am, the more crass and coarse I am, the better. That's, that's what society is telling me. What do you mean check my ego, check my inhibitions? Becoming egoless. This whole language is a foreign language. I don't know what you're talking about. So when you're dealing with such darkness, you need a tremendous light. You have to start with the light. You have to start with the love. And that's the approach. That's the Hasidic approach. And that's the approach that the Rebbe charge us with. That's the approach for our generation. You come to a Jew and say, light a Shabbat candle, do a mitzvah, put on tefillin, do one mitzvah, illuminate, light, light a light, light a divine candle, light a divine light. And you'll see, one mitzvah, a little light pushes away the darkness, and two become two mitzvah, and two mitzvah become four mitzvah. And before you know it, the Jew becomes robust, Vibrant, a vibrant Jew, a robust Jew, a full-fledged Jew, a God-fearing Jew, a wholesome Jew, a Jew that soars, a Jew that has two wings, well-adjusted, well-balanced. But it all starts with one single mitzvah, something positive, with love. So you have to deal, when you're dealing in an emergency situation, when you're dealing with such thick darkness, sometimes the only way to start is with light. You have to start with love and light. You can't start with awe. It's not, this is not the currency. It's not the language. It's a foreign language. The person is not a vessel for it. The person is not a vegan. doesn't know what you're talking about. You have to start with divine, godly. Do a mitzvah. Love. And, and that's the power of the mitzvah. And that's the power of the Jewish soul. That's the power of that light. That when... You, you do that one single mitzvah, you can turn around your whole life. Even if a person is spiritually, like, deathly ill, there isn't a single organ in the body that's whole and healthy. Every single organ in the body is defective. A person is so far away, so far out, about to walk off a cliff. But that's the power of light, the power of one mitzvah, the power of love. That they do something divine, and it touches them very deeply, and slowly but surely, one mitzvah will lead to another mitzvah. <clears throat> and eventually, it could totally transform the person. So that's what he's talking about. He's going to talk about at the end of the chapter, and we'll conclude next week, that there is a different approach. It's not the ordinary approach. It's not for ordinary times. It's not for ordinary people. not for ordinary situations. But there's nothing about our times that we live in that's ordinary. We live in a world gone mad spiritually gone mad. A society that celebrates crassness and coarseness and arrogance. 
the antithesis. Everything that's godly and good and wholesome and genuine, authentic and meaningful. Everything has become so superficial. So in a world gone mad, the only approach is, has to be an approach of love. You have to start with love and start with the positive and start with the love and the mitzvah and the light and the health and slowly but surely nurture the Jew, nurture the person back to health, to complete health. I have a question that you mentioned. Um, you know, if, if Hashem like, created all these things in the world, He created art, He created nature, He created everything. So if people aren't on a higher, high, I mean, isn't it, um, like if, they, if they're not on the godly plane, I mean, not, look, I mean, you're, it, how a person has, to, their whole life has to be like that. A pathway could be to the beautiful creations, like to feel the inspiration of, of what Hashem is in the world, what He's created. Like in art, like being creative and being create to create art can, even though it's not on the same level, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but it's on the path. It's on the path for a person to be so inspired by um, creating art or just taking in the awesomeness of the nature that Hashem created. So... Um, I mean, you know, at first I was going to say something different, but as you went on, you, you know, really explained what it is, but not so many people can reach that. One of the ways of recognizing Hashem is realizing all the energies and abilities that Hashem gave you, all the talent that Hashem gives a person. Hashem gave you those talents, and you can never become a whole person unless you develop those talents. You almost have a divine obligation to develop those talents because if you believe in Hashem, Hashem doesn't give a person didn't create anything extra in the world or anything incidental He creates a person with a talent and ability, that's who you are and you have to develop your, that talent and that's how you approach Hashem you have to use your art, not suppress your art if a person has a talent for music or for art or any creative talent that a person has you have to develop that and of course you discover Hashem in that, you see Hashem through your art and you see Hashem through your music or through your dancing or whatever, whatever the talent or ability Hashem blessed you with, you have to see Hashem through that. That's the, one of the ideas. Hashem fills all the worlds. Hashem creates everything in this world and everything He created is for a reason. And by looking at the world with an artistic eye and then seeing the ultimate artist in everything, seeing the art, art, artistry of Hashem in everything, seeing Hashem's creativity in everything, and bringing that out on canvas, on paper, and art, that's, that's, a definitely way, that's a definite way of connecting with Hashem. So in other words, every part of you becomes connected with Hashem. You see Hashem in everything. So the idea is not um, to suppress or to escape this world, or on the contrary, to see Hashem in everything, to engage in the world and to discover Hashem in everything. The businessman discovers Hashem in his business, sees the divine providence, sees how Hashem is with him every step of the way. The artist sees Hashem in, in his creativity, ultimate creativity. Where does creativity come from? It comes from Hashem, the ultimate crea crea creative artist. So the idea is to see Hashem in the act of eating. You see Hashem, Hashem creates his cup of water. You see Hashem in the miracle of a creation and existence. The idea is to discover Hashem in everything. Hashem fills all the worlds and Hashem... So it's something that every Jew can attain. It's not only the greatest rabbis, mystics, and scholars... 
every Jew in their daily life, if only you tune in, if only you open yourself up to it, you open your eyes, you remove your blinders, you're able, you suddenly start seeing Hashem everywhere and everything within yourself and the world around you. You see the divine providence, so you, so you see Hashem everywhere. Then the world becomes a beautiful place, a good place. You see a godly place. Instead of looking at this world as a jungle, as a dark, as a dungeon, as a jungle, the world becomes a palace. The world becomes a garden of Eden, a rendezvous, a place where you meet Hashem. The Jew celebrates the world. We, we, we don't shun the world. We don't hide and run away from the world. We don't escape the world. We don't look at the world as evil, as harsh, as negative. We look at the world in its true colors, on Shabbos. We remove the blinders and this world becomes a garden of Eden. You see the world in its true colors. It's a garden of Eden. Here in this world, the act of eating becomes a mitzvah. The act of taking a walk becomes a mitzvah. The act of taking a nap becomes a mitzvah. You celebrate life. You see Hashem in everything. Everything becomes a mitzvah. Everything becomes divine. The act of walking, what, what a miracle. You know, the act that we exist, what a miracle. Suddenly this world becomes a beautiful place. A place where you rendezvous with Hashem. So... It's, it's a very, this is something that's for every Jew. It's not just for the greatest rabbis, mystics, and scholars. It just changes how you look at the world. You see the world as a friendly place, as a good place. Hashem is with us. And therefore, you walk confidently with trust, with a lot of trust in Hashem, with a lot of confidence. Hashem is good. He'll be good. Hashem has guided me till now. He'll continue to guide me. It'll be good. It'll work out. I don't know how, but it will. Everything will work out. Um, so a Jew walks around very optimistically, very joyfully, and um, the more we deepen our relationship with Hashem through Torah and Mitzvot, the more confident we feel that we're connected to the source of life and the source of everything that's good, Hashem Himself, the more confident we, can, we feel we can go forward in our lives, the more trusting we are, and, and then good things actually happen. So this is not just for the greatest rabbis, mystics, and scholars. This is the Jewish way of life for every Jew, for all Jews, the simple, average Jew. And it's, it's ingrained in us. It's inherent. It's inborn. You don't have to create it. You don't have to be reborn again. You don't have to become something otherworldly, become something that you're not. You just have to reveal and uncover that innate, inherent truth that we all have inside of us. Our neshama knows this truth breathes this truth, lives this truth. We just have to reveal it by removing the obstacles, getting your ego out of the way a little, and by uh, reflecting and meditating and just uncovering and revealing, bringing it to the surface, bringing it to the conscious level. So if you're feeling discomfort, uneasiness, that statement that you're you're not using out what Hashem gave you, you it's... If you're feeling discomfort... Not at ease. Not yours. <laughs> yeah, not at ease. So this is in relationship to what what Hashem gave you. You're not using it out. You're not a, making use of it. Whatever it may be in your life, you're not. You're, you're sort of drifting in, in a sense. That can, not you know, clear, no, I, I, that can make you very much uh, unease. That can give you unease. You have an energy inside of you, a talent inside of you, 
that you're not utilizing, it will give you a lot of unease because there's a part of you that's missing. There's a part of you that's missing from life and that will bother you. You can't pretend that away. You know, if you're not full force, if you're not engaging in life, the Torah says about Avram, Avram Zakin Baba Yamim. Avram was an old man. Baba Yamim. Why does the Torah say Baba Yamim? Baba Yamim. Why does the Torah say? What does it mean? So the Zohar says, Avram lived every day. What does it mean, Baba Yamim? He entered into his days. He lived 100%. He was not holding back. Most people hold back in life because of fears or imaginary fears. We hold back. We don't give it our all. Avram, whatever he did, every day of his life, he entered. He allowed himself to experience that day. He gave everything he had. He invested in that day. He was fully engaged. Every day was an experience. He reacted. He lived. He laughed. He cried. He, he was moved. He was touched. He was affected. He engaged in life. Well, most of us are very reserved and we don't, we're not fully engaged. So Avram is the example. So unless a person is really fully engaged, of course you'll feel unease because there's a major part of you that's, that's, not, being, that's not being developed and therefore um, there's this quiet inside. There's this restlessness and this quiet because you, you, you're like missing an action. And you can't ignore that energy that Hashem gave you. Hashem gives a person an energy, there's no ignoring. And if you do ignore it, it will show up. But it will show up in a very negative way. It won't show up in a very wholesome way. If you have energy potential that's not utilized, it could become poisonous. It could actually become counterproductive and negative. Because you have this nuclear energy on your hands, and if you don't harness it, it's not just going to go away. It's going to demand attention. If, you don't, if it doesn't come out in a wholesome way, it'll come out in a negative way. So, yes, when a person has this inner disquiet, inner dis-ease, right, disease, dis-ease, um, it's really a signal that there's a part of you that's very unhappy. There's a part of you that's not being, you're not tapping into, you're not utilizing. And, um, and that's directly related to not using out, using up what Hashem gave you as a whole package to yeah, 100%. using a percentage of it and hundred percent, hundred percent. The idea is not to suppress. If Hashem gives a person a talent, you're not allowed to suppress it. You have to develop it. You have to cultivate it. You have to and serve Hashem through that talent. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at lessonsintanya.com.